You are listening to audio from Riverside Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit riverside.church. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Oh, gracious God, we are delighted to be in your presence today. We thank you for meeting us where we are, whether that's, whether that's weary, whether that's overjoyed and excited at all the sunshine of February. We give you thanks for that gift. We give you thanks for this community. We give you thanks for the way your Holy Spirit is working in the lives of each one of us, the ways we see it in others, the the ways that we see growth and progress, the ways we see your presence meeting those who are lonely or who need it desperately. Lord, we thank you for this time to gather together in your name, in your spirit, and around your word. So may these words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of every one of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we are in the final week of our practices series today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed either being re-familiarized or familiarized for the very first time with some of these practices. Uh, The five practices we've done so far have been Sabbath, sacraments, prayer, scripture, and fasting. And today, I want to give you some space to bring practices together in a way that is useful in your life. So back in 2022, we walked through the book of Exodus together. Remember that, for those of you who were around? The whole year, though, basically the entire year of 2022, we walked through the verse, of, ver, the verse, the book of Exodus. It was a lot more than one verse. Uh, and each week we highlighted a practice as we went week by week through Exodus. And we asked you to try them out. So there was a lot of them, and we understood that you weren't going to be able to like completely master and implement a new practice every single week for an entire year. That is untenable and not a great idea, actually. But we wanted you to try them out. There's a wide variety of practices, centering prayer, prayer of examine. You may remember some of these names, or they may sound vaguely familiar. Bible memorization, confession, singing. And all these practices are still like on the church website under the resources tab if you want to take a look at them. But the intention was never for us to to all implement all of the practices because, again, we are all limited, we are all finite, and we don't want to stretch that thin. We don't have enough hours in the day. We don't have enough capacity to dig heavily into dozens of practices, but we wanted you to be familiar. So, And these are very much time-tested practices of Jesus' followers and most of them of Jesus over the centuries. And today's practice involves curating a set of practices in your life with God. Okay, so it is like a, a master practice that incorporates a lot of other practices within it. And that practice is called a rule of life or building a rule of life. It might not be fair to call rule of life a practice, again, because it's like a container or a structure for all of our practices. So when I think of rule of life in the Christian tradition, uh, think of it as... And I got a lot of feedback on this. I talked about a rule of life like two and a half years ago. Uh, But this image of a trellis became very meaningful to several people. And uh, I want to bring it up again. Think of a trellis upon which plants or vines grow. You know what a trellis is, right? The piece of wood 
or a, you know, just anything that, that allows climbing things to grow. Uh, we have green thumbs in this congregation. We have hobby farmers. We have professional or semi-professional farmers in this congregation. And then we have me. Um, so I'm not going to try to embarrass myself here because I am not qualified. But yeah, my, my horticultural knowledge is not, not great, not vast. But I do know that there are some vining plants. We call them that? Is that a good thing? We call them vining plants that need something to latch onto <clears throat> to grow upward in order to grow to their fullest potential, right? Otherwise, they just kind of grow along the ground, and they never reach their potential because they're not meant to grow along the ground. They're meant to climb. They're meant to go up, not out. Um, <clears throat> if you want grapevines, for instance, to bear good fruit, you must give them something to grow on. You must give them a trellis to grow on. And your rule of life this is the practice for today. Your rule of life is a trellis. It is not the fruit itself. Your rule of life is not the fruit itself, but the environment in which our lives are put in a position to thrive. So as you build a rule of life, you're not thinking about <clears throat> the, the, the rule of life isn't grapes. Well, I prayed every day. That, that, means, that means I have grapes. The fact that you're praying every day is doing something in you, forming something in you drawing you closer to Jesus, all of these practices, fasting, whatever it is that you incorporate into your rule of life, these things are creating an environment in which you can grow, you can bear much fruit in your life with God. But you got to have a trellis for that rule of life to flourish. Um, <clears throat> and not all trellises are the same. I don't have a bunch of pictures of trellises, but they're not all the same. They're, they're going to look different, and your, your rule of life will look different than the person next to you. But everybody has a form of a rule of life because... We all have a rhythm to our days, even if it is intently haphazard or just accidentally haphazard. There is some sort of rhythm or pattern to our days, just because, right, they all, they all last 24 hours. Maybe that was the only thing similar, similar between today and yesterday was that it was 24 hours long, but hey, that's something that happened. Um, but for most people, you get up around the same time, perhaps, maybe brush your teeth, shower, make the coffee, eat, go to bed around the same time, things like that do certain things on certain days, the rule of our lives, the skeletal structure, the trellis upon which our life is built. Right? These things don't consist of our lives. They're like, man, I brushed my teeth today. That was like, that was it. I was really peak Andrew, let me tell you. Peak Andrew because I brushed my, no, no. It's, it's, just, it's just a structure upon which our life is built. And those are important habits to form within our life. But we also, together as a body, have a shared rule of life because we do things together, right? Hence, this, right? We've all come and done this. We've all chosen to get up, put some clothes on, and come here to do this today, to gather together. Um, so we each has a rule of life, but we also, as a group, have a rule of life, as a church body, a shared rule of life. So I'm going to pause a few minutes right here, right now, Probably not exactly right now because I've got a few more things to say. But um, before we go any further, we're going to spend a few minutes doing a current rule of life inventory. So I think everybody got a clipboard. If you didn't, there's still a bunch of them in the back, and I can go run and get some more if you didn't get one. But for a few minutes, just, just about three minutes, I want you to focus on number one on, your, on the rule of life worksheet. Number one, which is your individual practices and your community practices. If somebody wants to grab a bunch of them, you can... Bring them this way so not everybody has to walk. But I mean, 
Maybe a little walking routine is part of your rule of life. That's very important. And the time is already going. Look at that. So again, focus just on number one on the rule of life worksheet, your current rule of life inventory. What am I doing with my time right now? Individual practices and community practices. And there's a bunch of, a list of them there if you want ideas for what those practices might be. I'll just spend a few minutes writing those things down. What do you do currently with your life? What practices do you incorporate? They don't all have to be church practices, faith practices, but things that you do, ways that you spend your time. All right, hopefully you got a little, some stuff written down. I'm not going to make you put your pens down, but uh, I'm going to keep going, okay? And we are going to have a little bit more time to, to write in a little bit too. Um, but we're going to look at a rule of life, a structure, a trellis upon which an early church built their life together. And that is uh, the one that Karen read for us in Acts chapter 2. Uh, this, is, this is how they sought to live like Jesus together. This is, these are the practices that they put in place as a community, as a body, in order to follow Jesus together, to look more like him, to live more like him, to be his followers, to live in, in his way. So the passage says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who, who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying all the favor, the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you can see the trellis being built in this passage. Practices that are baked in, words like daily, mentioned several times, daily they did this, daily they did that. Uh, a phrase like devoted themselves, they devoted themselves to these things. These are regular practices, things that they built their lives around. And I think we can learn from the way that this particular church beautifully and intentionally built their life together. So what components of a rule of life do we see in Acts 2. So the first one we see is one that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and that is Scripture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Scripture has this divine authority over our lives and how it does three central things for our life of faith. One is that it reveals God to us, right? The apostles' teaching and the Scriptures reveal God to us. They were immersed in Scripture because it told them about God and who He is. That it second thing was that it forms our faith, doctrine, and our conduct, or our belief, our thought, and our behavior. Scriptures help us, help us discern what we believe in our hearts, what we think in our minds, and what we do with our hands, what we do with our lives. And then the third thing that Scripture does is that it, it, uh, it, it forms our devotion to God. It is a, something that we use devotionally, and we read it in order to devote our lives to God. So the guidance of Scripture is front and center in the life of this early church, just like it is in many of our lives, or what we try to make it in our life together as a body. The second thing, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. It's the second practice, another component of their rule of life, fellowship. And 
in this passage, we get different words for fellowship. Not just fellowship, but also we get together. We get the word together. Having everything in common. That sounds like fellowship, right? Even beyond fellowship. And that they were daily meeting together. Daily meeting together. That's something, that's something, isn't it? Like the only people I daily meet together with are the people that live in my house with me, right? That's, that's commitment to daily meet together. We have to get together as a church every single day. Are we going to reorient our calendar so that everybody shows up at the beacon every single day? No. Okay, good. Great. Not great. Not a great idea. But we have weekly rhythms, right? Weekly Sabbath, Sunday worship. Maybe you're part of a home group that meets together weekly as well. Getting together with or serving alongside other people from the congregation, people from church. This is all important stuff. And it reminds us that a rule of life is not just about me and what I do with my life. It's not just me, myself, and I doing my own discipline thing together, trying to grow, grow closer to Jesus all by myself. It's about how we do it together collectively. These are shared practices. So mapping out a rule of life and doing it on this clipboard, it's a very personal exercise, but it also has something to do with how we live with one another, and it is anchored in fellowship. Uh, the third thing, so the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread. I love breaking bread. I love eating. Anybody else? Breaking bread is great. Um, some people say food is just fuel. I say, what are you talking about? I say, have you tasted food before? Uh, food is not just fuel. Some people eat to live, some people live to eat, right? Um, that might be the opening line of my biography one day, I guess. But, but at the same time, and precisely because I get so much joy out of food, and I am I'm very serious about that, I do get joy out of food, um, the practice of fasting is also important, right? Something that we talked about last week, to bring balance, right? Because depriving yourself of that joy is also a good thing in order to to grow, and we talked about several ways in which that can form us and shape us. Uh, but there's something formational about breaking bread together uh, in the context of fellowship, whether it's dinner with friends and family, fellowship meals after worship gatherings like we had last Sunday, um, or just snacks or coffee with a friend. These are, these are all forms of breaking bread together. And every table that we break bread at is informed and transformed in some way by the fact of this constituting meal, this sacrament, this, this table that we share together where we break bread together as a body, celebrating and participating in the story of God in Christ and seeking to in some way be transformed ourselves into bread of hope for a hungry world. So it's not just food, as great as food is. So moving on. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. So just in that first verse, we have four elements in a rule of life. Uh, Pastor Jess taught us about prayer several weeks ago. Talked great about uh, John chapter 15 and, uh, and how prayer connects us to the Father, how, uh, how it is this way of abiding with God and being, being with Jesus. Um, but for us to be growing and maturing Christians, for us to be more emotionally and spiritually mature, for us to 
all, for all of any of that, for us to experience growth, we need regular and consistent contact with God. We need to pray. We have to pray in some way or another. And there are so many different ways to pray, and uh, I'm not going to try to outline all those today. And there is a specific type of prayer that the passage mentions next, and that is praising God. Praying and praising God. It's important to lean into the joyful face of God, to the face of Christ, and to praise God. And even if you can't think of anything at this very moment that you are excited for, that you can praise God for, simply try to praise God for who he is. Even if you can't think of something in your life that you're super thankful for, just praise God for being who he is. Start there. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Filled with awe at the wonders and signs. How can we build into our lives rhythms or ways that we can be filled with awe? For some of you, that might mean like going for walks out in the woods, being filled with awe at the wonder of God's creation. Or you need to, you need to go farther and find a mountain or a lake, some sort of large body of water. Thankfully, we have a fairly large body of water not too far from here. Um, so for some of us, the sense of awe is a very like creation-oriented thing, but there is awe at the way that it's, fundamentally there's a posture towards living and a posture towards seeing God at work in the world where we can be awed all the time. Wow. Look at the way God came through for this person. I can't, like, that looked like a really hopeless and desperate situation. And look at how God showed up. And I am awestruck. Awestruck. How will you intentionally practice awe in your life? That's a question to think about. But in this church, their awe was inspired by signs and wonders performed by the apostles. To which you're like, okay, what do we got? Signs and wonders. Um, I mean, signs and wonders can be miraculous healings and, and things that we read about in the New Testament, right? That's obviously a huge and miraculous and wonderful category of things that happen. But I wonder if we can find our definition of signs and wonders to things that are like outside of the realm of scientific possibility or something like that. What if God's slow, miraculous work in people's lives, in our own lives, again, in the lives of the people that we are around, where we could not believe that God made something good out of a situation that seemed so bad? so horrendous and so terrible and so hopeless, and look, look at what God did. A miracle happened. A salvation happened. Mercy, grace exploded onto somebody's life where they just didn't see it before. We can't always predict those events. We can't force them to happen. But we can place ourselves in situations where they might happen, and we can faithfully believe in a God who can do infinitely greater things than we could ask or imagine. And not discount what we believe God can do. And when our minds and when our hearts are actively open to being floored by God, we might just experience some true and genuine awe, what you might call signs and wonders. Another thing they did regularly, another thing in the, this, this church's rule of life, was they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Yeah, 
they didn't just sell their possessions, which is one thing that is like a bridge too far for a lot of us. They also sold their property to give to anyone who had need. That's a bold act of faith, a bold act of, of trust in God. It's what Isaiah 58, the passage we read last week, would call a holy fast. Right? This, is, this is truly the pursuit of justice in the community. And I wonder how we might incorporate something like this into a rule of life. How do we cultivate generosity through charity and take on practices that intentionally cultivate greater generosity in our hearts and with our actions? And it seems like we're creeping from trellis to actual fruit at this point. Because if we're actually selling our possessions and giving everything away and sharing with everyone who has need, that feels like, it feels like we're really bearing fruit in community, not just building a trellis. It seems like there's grapes growing on the vine, right? Just like, a, just like a rich and full prayer life can feel like actual grapes growing on the vine. And just like sharing a meal, with, which might include some grapes on the vine, can feel like more fruit, bearing fruit. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And speaking of fruit, the passage ends with, they enjoyed the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. Would you say that as a general rule, we, like the church, have, a, have the favor of all the people, a 100% approval ranking, approval rating? Would you say that? Anybody? Okay, nope, <laughs> sure don't. Um, I wonder if living something like this, uh, this, this type of rule of life, if our life together, our lives look like this, there would be less hate, maybe? live in a favorable way, and maybe you enjoy the favor of God's people. That's possible. But of course, even if we do clean up our act and live perfectly generous and loving lives, that doesn't mean people wouldn't still hate because, as the old adage goes, haters going to hate. I don't know how old that is, but it feels old. But more people in this community of this church, in the thousands, they wanted to follow Jesus and be part of his community. That's how compelling the way, the, the life that they were living together was. Isn't that incredible? That they'd say, I want to be part of this family. By the thousands? Like, it's hard to even imagine. It wasn't pyrotechnics. It wasn't the best music in town. It was just simple faithfulness. Thousands being saved. So there's these core elements, core items that we can incorporate into our rules of life. And most of them we can do together on some level, right? We do practice scripture together. That's why we, that's why we take 30 minutes or so out of every gathering to do teaching from the Bible because we want to be formed by scripture together. We also want to be formed by Scripture in our individual lives, so that's why we take our Bibles home with us and read them there as well, right? Fellowship, right? We want to do that together. Anchored in weekly Sabbath, anchored in weekly gathering together. Or home groups as well, weekly gathering that way. Sacraments and meals. We come to the table each and every week as part of this admission to God that we need Him. We don't do this by our own effort, but only through His grace. That we need His nourishment to sustain us. Prayer and praise, these are foundational practices 
of what we do together and separately. Awe at signs and wonders, generous giving, fasting for the vulnerable. What sort of trellis do you want to build? That's the question that this all leads us to. What sort of trellis do you want to build? So the, the, on the bottom of that front page of your sheet in your clipboard, there's a lot of different practices. A lot of them come from Acts 2. Some of them come from the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which we read through together a couple of years ago. Um, but I want us to work on number two now because this is where we're really getting at this question. What sort of trellis do I want to build? And I think there's a couple different ways to, bu- to, to build a trellis. One is by having it pre-planned in your mind because some of y'all are visionary. Some of y'all have ideas of like, Maybe you're goal-oriented or like, this is the sort of, this is the sort of life I want to live. This is, the, this is sort of who I want to become. And you have like a concrete picture of what that looks like. And I say that that's fantastic. And I say start there. But for some of you, the idea of thinking about the future is like, or goals is like, what? Does not compute. Like, tell me something to do right now, and then we'll see how that happens. See, see what that looks like in the future. So for some of you, you just need to be drawn to certain practices and say, these are the sort of practices that I'm drawn to. Let's see what sort of things God does in that through faithful tending to those practices and see what that ends up looking like. And then you trust that God is the one that has the vision for you. But I think you can approach it either way. Again, again, those of you who are a little bit more visionary, start there. Those of you who are more practice-oriented, start there. But I want to give you some time to just focus on number two. Number three is for you to do on your own, I know. You're, you shouldn't take the clipboards home, but you, I'm, I mean, I'll look the other way if you want to take your clipboard home. But you can definitely take your papers home with you. Um, but we're focusing on number two here. If you, have a, if you have time, if you finish number two, then you can start on number three. And number three is where you really build your trellis. But we want to focus on what we want that trellis to look like, what it's going to be made up of. So another few minutes to reflect and write, and then we'll come back to the table together. Thank you for listening to Riverside Church. For more resources, visit riverside.church.